is over. Unsportsmanlike conduct on the four players of 29, 54, 3, and 24. That penalty will be enforced half the distance to the goal. It's first and goal, Iowa State. I'll say it right now. The Big 12 does not want Iowa State to lose this game. Yeah, Bob Bowlesby, you need to, you need to answer to this. This is, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I've seen some This is ridiculous. Today. This is ridiculous. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hey, refereeing in the news. That's fun. Hi and hello, sports fans, and welcome to Minus Three presented by FanDuel. Make sure you bet along with us, or if you prefer, you can be a cynic and fade us. Either way, do so. FanDuel.com slash minus three. It's the word minus. It's the number three. And go back and listen to our earlier episode from this week. Kevin Hench, we thought it would be right and just for a guy who is a Boston sports fan feeling it after Mac Jones' big victory last week in pro football to get Kevin Hench on to react to the weekend that was. We usually are kibitzing with him in this slot. Instead, we're going to be joined for a meaty college football conversation as we head into the home stretch of college football and the final four and all that with one of the very best in the business dan wetzel you know him from really all over the place if you follow college football at all and specifically from yahoo's great uh, college football podcast the college football inquirer helmed by or produced by our pal sully eddie spaghetti eddie spaghetti's over there behind the glass and before we get to dan quickly let's get through some of our best picks for the weekend i'm going all pro football here save one eddie spaghetti i'm going with ohio state to cover 18 and a half over sparty i think this is going to really ding kenneth walker's heisman chances it's hard to have a huge game if you're trailing early and there's a chance that that will be the case I'm trying to make sense. I can't wait to talk to Wetzel about who he thinks is going to get that Heisman there because Stroud and Bryce Young leading the Heisman odds on FanDuel night right now leave me kind of uninspired. They're both on great teams, but are they the is either one of them the best quarterback in the country? I think that guy is maybe at Ole Miss, maybe at Pitt. So now it's a team award. We're veering, as you said, weeks ago towards the Heisman basically turning into what the NFL MVP is, the best player on the best team, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think if you – the thing about Ohio State is like they're one of the best recruiting teams in the country and the best players in that region always go there, whereas Michigan State's at a more of a disadvantage uh, and, a, and a coach early on in his tenure there too. Obviously, Mel Tucker came over from Colorado. but So a guy like Kenneth Walker, who is a pretty much you know recognizable household name now across the country, if he plays pretty well, he, to me, is the reason why Michigan State has been that good, which is why I would give him the award – but we have a few weeks left. Obviously, a huge game for Michigan State versus Ohio State. Um, so, I mean, yeah, losses do play a factor in this. So, it's it's going to be – I think this Saturday will really determine if Kenneth Walker takes the next step or if Stroud takes the next step. So, this game pretty much decides the Heisman in my eyes. I guess. I want, You know, if, if Bama were to lose to Georgia or otherwise and – Ohio State were to lose to Sparty, which they won't, or Michigan by chance, or other. Does that then? Does that then make Matt Matt Corral or, and or Kenny Pickett more likely? If Kenny Pickett beats Virginia this weekend and then they win the ACC, it is it, like I like I say, like you touched on, you know, a while back. Now, it's that's not the intent of the 
of the award. And then you get into value. Who's been more valuable to the fortunes of his team than Kenny Pickett really this year? I mean, I, if you I, took Kenny Pickett and put a, not league average, but what, a conference average, whatever the comp is for that, into that team, I mean, they would be their typical six and five right now. They wouldn't be, you know, uh, right on the cusp of, of doing something by their measure um, special, which is getting uh, winning the ACC. I think if someone like Kenny Pickett to win, like Pittsburgh would have to win the ACC. Right. And I I think this award is like, again, the way it's been the last few years, unless unless you're not a playoff team or like a playoff adjacent team, a team in the mix, I think you have to have a season that's so astronomically ahead of everyone else. If you're on a mediocre team, a five win, six win team, that's like really the only way you can get it. If you know your team is that bad and you're the reason why they only have those five, six wins, then I could see why you can get it. Maybe like, Robert Griffin, you know, at Baylor's situation, uh, like, you know, a Baylor team that was pretty average and he rose, you know, to the occasion, made them a lot better. But I, I think, you know, with with Ohio State in the mix and they have CJ Stroud, obviously Alabama's still in the mix uh, and they have Bryce Young, uh, Michigan State, as long as they, they keep winning, they'll be in the mix with Kenneth Walker. It's hard to pick somebody not from those teams. Because I get they're, they're it, good. but I mean, how many times do we have to see, like, Obviously, you you swap the one guy out for another guy, and he's going to be good too. I'm not diminishing the individual talent of Mac Jones or Tua or Baker Mayfield or other or, or Kyler Murray or anybody. But obviously, they're factories. You plug a new guy in, and they're going to thrive too. That the the anomaly is Matt Corral at Ole Miss. The well, anomaly is Kenny Pickett at Pitt. It may, that, that, that's pretty clear cut to me who's the special player in and I'm not talking about it also kind of gets into and it doesn't make a difference people point at Jason White and you know from Oklahoma when he won it way back when and people say look how terrible he was on some level Heisman voters should it, it is a little bit of a black eye if the guy goes on to have no uh pro career but that's not the the point of the award it's who made a big difference in college football this particular season so it is weird, Bryce. You're going to give it to Bryce Young. What, well, uh, we're, we're that. We're, we're that. Uh, we have that much amnesia that we don't see that any kid you plug in there is probably going to be good. Well, what I will say about the award, in the sense that you can kind of be okay with if one of those guys who I mentioned wins, really outside of Bryce Young. Bryce Young was one of the few names that kind of stuck around the whole season. Like, think about this: we we rewind back to August. Who were we talking about? Like Spencer Rattler, uh, like maybe Keaton Slovis, Sam Howell, uh, best running best running back. You're probably going like B. John Robinson at 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 Texas over Kenneth Walker. So like, there were some names that we were expecting to see. We didn't really expect to see Matt Corral. We didn't really expect to see CJ Stroud to an extent. Maybe Kenny Pickett, definitely not. Kenneth Walker, probably not. So the names did kind of change. So I'm not that upset over it. If But if Bryce Young really is the only one who's kind of been around the, near the top uh, of the Heisman odds the, the whole way. But uh, I don't think he'll get it. I think it, it will be either uh, Stroud or uh, Kenneth Walker. All right, we will uh, we'll talk about that with Dan Wetzel in just a few minutes. In the meantime, Eddie Spaghetti, let's jump into some best bets for the weekend. Like I say, I gave you one on college football. Otherwise, I'm focusing in on, I know I'm a broken record about this and will be from now until the end of the regular season in the NFL. Man, there's some games that are hugely important to both sides playing in the game. The Lions and the Browns is not one. It is a Rust Belt Supreme game, though. If Browns and Steelers, it doesn't define the Rust Belt, then Lions-Browns does. Browns lay an 11 and a half. That's almost hard to believe after the Lions just tied Pittsburgh. I'll tell you what, though. I'm going Browns confidently. 
I don't like double digit favorites. I like the Browns in that one. A big test for the Niners. I know it doesn't look like one, but I'll remind you that the Jags have not been garbage for the last, you know, three, four weeks now. The Niners laying six and a half in Duval County. Spaghetti, where do you come down on this one? I feel like everybody now is, you know, validated myself included like see the Niners are good look what they just did to the Rams but that was Monday night and they played that in California now they have to get on a plane and fly across football America to play the Jags who seem like they're a little bit better version of what they were six weeks ago as I say is this one as easy to just say take the Niners minus six and a half and move on or no? This was the hardest one uh, for our extrapoints.com picks uh, on the huh. arcade. It was the hardest one for me because I it's obviously a home dog getting almost a touchdown, six and a half points right now in Fandle.com. So I'm thinking like eh, at home, you're getting that much points. Like I don't think the 49ers are great either. I think, uh, you know, obviously until the 49ers big win last week, we were saying like, why isn't Trey Lance playing? It should be Trey Lance's time. So in our heads, we're like, oh, there's clearly controversy going on there. Uh, but I guess part of me after that last win, Debo Samuel's been awesome. Kittle's been pretty good. Like I could see the Niners winning by like exactly seven points and and they could cover this game. Mm-hmm. So I think I still will side with the Niners, but I would not be shocked if the, uh, the, the Jaguars are in this game to the very end. I, I don't, I don't really feel confident about this game. You just said it. I have the Jenga theory, which, uh, which, you know, uh, critical player you can't remove from the equation or the whole thing implodes and Kittle is that for the Niners they you know week one back he in fact was detrimental to the Niners cause but we saw a closer version of him on Monday night football as long as he's in there and healthy I think they are a much different team to try and slow down a lot hinges with what Kyle Shanahan wants to do on the all pro tight end Uh, Sorry, Travis Kelsey, but George Kittle is now the best tight end in football, unless it's Darren Waller. But we'll move on now. Colts, I'm going to say, by the way, Niners minus the six and a half. But I I hear you're – I don't think you should just gloss over that one. Give that one some some thought. Colts and Bills, an old AFC East rivalry. Um, Now the Bills giving a full touchdown to the Colts. Colts playing well. I do wonder, and you know I keep saying this, Eddie Spaghetti, I do wonder, are the Bills definitely, absolutely, undeniably the best team in the AFC? This is their chance to show it against a really good Colts team that, minus some stumbles, you know, left-handed throws by Carson Wentz and otherwise, and weird field goal blocks in Baltimore a month ago, the Colts would, would loom even larger in the AFC playoff picture. How do you see this one going there? I'm going to take the Bills at home laying a touchdown. This is another tough one. I actually took the Colts um, in our picks here just basically because kind of what you're saying, I'm not, I look, I've been saying this for the whole season. When we've seen a lot of good teams lose games, it's okay to lose games in the NFL. It's not like it's college football where it's going to cost you. I think the Bills will still be a good team later on in the season. I think right now it's just a tough game versus a, a, a hot-ish Colts team with the, be- the best running back in football. And that's no knock on Derrick Henry, but the fact is the matter that Jonathan Taylor has just been flat out better than Derrick Henry by any metric. And I, I know he's injured, but he's just been so good and he's overtaken that that crown from, from Derrick Henry. 
if, if you have a running back playing like that, it makes things a lot easier for the quarterback. And obviously, Wentz has been up and down, but they have some pretty nice receivers there. Uh, Mo Ali Cox, the tight end, is getting involved too. I mean, I think they're the Colts are, are a much better, a much more improved team than they were early on in the season. I think this would be a tough game for the for the Bills. And if they lose, it's okay if they lose because you're allowed to lose in the NFL, and they'll still be fine later on in the season. You touch on the the Titans by naming Derrick Henry there and the Bills. You know, all this stuff, and I'm sorry as a Steelers fan, as I get ready to pay a visit to SoFi Stadium to watch the road team um, be supported by tens of thousands of terrible towels in Los Angeles. Um, a lot of people saying, what if the Steelers, why no succession plan? Because it's pro football, it's free agency, and it's more easily fixed than people wish to believe. Witness the Tennessee Titans and Buffalo Bills, both who were limited as true contenders a year ago by a lack of a pass rush. You know what they did in the offseason? They got a pass rush. That's what the Steelers will do at quarterback. If your team lacks something, you fix that. The problem is, is that I think it's Mike Tomlin who came up with the the popcorn analogy that pop problems just pop up if you cover one, another one pops up. In free agency, there are no flawless teams. So if you focus too hard on the Bills' flaws, you can expose those, but then look around, pick your head up, and look at the other 31 teams. Everybody is flawed. I guess that's what makes pro football so exciting, but I also think the parody has gone a little bit too far. It's starting to feel like a coin flip for me. That said, now I'm going to go against all that. Bills, minus seven because of the pass rush. I think that Carson Wentz has shown that if you heat him up, um, he gets a little flustered there sometimes. So I'll take the Bills at home in a pretty big spot there. Um, in the Cam Newton, or is it the Ron Rivera Bowl, I guess, Washington, at Carolina, Cam Newton, you know, early returns, a big difference maker down there, doesn't play obviously close to the full game in week one, but does get into the end zone. He's back, all that stuff. Give me the Panthers with a win by more than three points as Rivera makes his return home. A loss, I think it exposes the Panthers. They got a little short-term burst out of camp, but even in the bottom half of the playoff chase in the NFC, probably get exposed as a pretender. And I don't think they rebound. Although Washington did play a nice game, as we know, against the defending champions. How say you, Spaghetti? I'm all in on the Panthers and, and Canto in this one, especially with CMC back. Uh, and, and Washington, like, yeah, it's, obviously it's things you don't root for injuries for Chase Young getting hurt, but he was pretty non-existent this whole year. What, the biggest, the most overrated uh, group uh, or or any kind of, uh, you know, going into this NFL season, oh, Washington is going to be awesome. Like, they're they're not good. And they, I had, I knew they weren't going to be good. And so, screw WFT. Uh, I'm, I'm glad this see them lose this game uh, as a Giants fan and uh, like Cam revenge game. And I, I just think their offense looked a lot better with him in it. And he's playing with a the fire. Uh, they're going to win that game. I hope you're right because one, I uh, preseason bet Carolina to make the playoffs. And what's further, I told you a couple of weeks ago, even before they got Cam to bet them to go over six and a half wins or maybe right when they signed Cam. I'm sorry. That's what I, when they signed Cam, I said, bet this one now they just need to win a couple more games so hope you followed my lead on that one um and you know i keep saying russell wilson it feels to me like he's going to leave seattle after this season that's a, a narrative that's really picking up some steam there he he hasn't exactly been quiet and he and sierra's desire to even though they've whispered it it's gotten out on more than one occasion that they have sought to leave um 
Seattle. I keep saying Cleveland and Pittsburgh may battle it out for Russell Wilson. Don't sleep on Washington either. That seems to make a lot of sense in terms of pieces. If you think if you're a, a guy who wants to win a title, Washington does kind of set up there. You mentioned Chase Young and the rest of that defensive front. We'll see how many guys they're able to retain, but they do have some nice weapons for Russell Wilson. I could see that being an appealing spot for him to go um, this offseason. Meantime, though, Baltimore is headed to Chicago. Ravens shamed by the Miami Dolphins on Thursday Night Football the last time we saw them. Hollywood Brown not practicing on Thursday. I would love the Bears plus five and a half at home. Justin Fields, a lot of people announced coming out party on Monday Night Football in Heinz Field a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if that's 100% true. I do think the Bears are not as bad as we've sort of decided upon because Somehow we got it got in our heads that Matt Nagy wasn't doing right by Justin Fields and wasn't using him properly, and this equaled the Bears just being a garbage team, which they're not, unless the guys who didn't practice on Wednesday don't play on Sunday, and those guys are a team Knicks, and, uh, and, and once again, um, Khalil Mack and Eddie Jackson, and Allen Robinson. Well, if you take their four best players off the team, then they probably aren't likely to win. But if you get those guys in there, that may just be my pup of the week on extra points. I've been red hot with picking big dogs to win on the money line. The Bears are in play for me there, but I have to see if those guys are playing. How say you, Spaghetti? Uh, I like a rebound game from the Ravens here. I could see them winning by two field goals and, and covering this. Uh, and I know Justin Fields has been a lot better and that he's made the offense look a little bit, a bit better with Allen Robinson, the receivers and the Bears. But I, I still think they're a bit away from being uh, a true contender in, the, in their division. Whereas uh, Lamar Jackson is the, uh, or my mind right now, the clear-cut MVP in the NFL. If they lose again this week, then they'll say they're, they're in do, the do it, do it. Let's see him do it with Mac and, and right, Hicks right. in there, though. Let's see Lamar Jackson be the difference maker with with rugged uh, front line defenders. Like right, that. but I mean Lamar's done it to a number of good defenses and good defensive players. And and it, look, if they struggle in this week, then I'll change my mind on them. But right now, he's he's been playing as uh, as good as it gets. And I I could see a, a rebound game and a five and a half point spread here. I have a hot take for you, by the way, where the AFC North is concerned. If the Browns announced right now, and I listen. I've said it many times. I like Baker Mayfield. I don't would I, I don't like him. I don't know that he'd be a fun guy for me to hang out with. I'm sure he wouldn't like me. Um, but I I like what he is for the city and you know his rah rah stuff and all that. I think if they just said right now, like Bake ain't right, which he is not physically, they just said we're going for the rest of the season with Case Keenum. I think they would win the division. That's Dave's hot take of the day for you. I think if they just said, we're all behind Case Keenum here and, uh, you know, we're going to ride our our runners and our and our sturdy defense, I think that would be enough in a division that, I mean, the Ravens lead it right now. But, you know, I know, again, week to week and everything else, and you can't zero in too much on one week, but they should have lost to the Colts. They, should, they did lose to Detroit if the officials just got the call right. They just got embarrassed by Miami. There are any number of examples. I mean, they would have lost to the Chiefs, which is not an embarrassment, but they should. this team could be very different were it not for literally three plays. Um, I don't buy the Ravens as, uh, as some Super Bowl contender as it stands right now. Saints and the Eagles, 
Neither team great. Eagles at home giving two. I'll take Trevor Simeon and company. How say you? Yeah, same with you on that. Like the Saints getting two points here, even on the road. And uh, Alvin Kamara is back too. Don't buy the Eagles. Uh, and again, as a Giants fan, rooting for the Eagles to lose. But I think the Saints will win this one by at least a touchdown. A lot of love for the Packers' defense more than for Aaron Rodgers and company's offense. They head to one of the Twin Cities this weekend to play the Vikings. Vikings playing pretty well of late, right in the mix now for an NFC wildcard spot. They're not going to catch the Packers, but they could still get the wildcard. At home, they're getting a point and a half. You know what, Spaghetti? I'm taking Kirk Cousins and company. How Dude, this is the game I feel the best about, and I think the Packers are going to absolutely destroy them. Uh, I like the ah. Packers a lot in this game. I know that Aaron Jones is out, but I don't think there's that much of a drop-off because A.J. Dillon is just a bruiser, and he they fed them the ball a bunch last week. I think he'll get involved in the passing a little bit more, and uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think, will be on a mission just to you know just to piss off everyone in America by throwing four touchdown passes. Our buddy Ken Brown texted something funny, which I actually do agree with that the Vikings and the Chargers are two teams that they could either win 11 games or lose 11 games. You can't decide which one. They're just, you know, week in, week out. I can't really decide, but uh, I'm rolling with uh, 12. True. Um, Bengals and Raiders, not just a playoff relevant game, but could be for the top spot in one of their two divisions. The winner is going to be in a, in a pretty rosy spot. Um, 11 weeks into the season, Bengals have been stumbling. The Raiders have been stumbling themselves there. Bengals heading into Vegas, minus one. I'm taking the Bungles here. How say yep, you? Ryan with the Bengals too. And uh, it just goes back to what Hench has been saying the last few weeks that uh, when this Raiders stuff starts to crumble, it's going to get bad. And it started getting really bad versus the Giants. And that's going to keep continuing. So I'm with the Cincinnati Bengals in this one. Got another upset for you. The Cardinals are a nice team. I, I I feel almost like I'm being too glib about the cards. Uh, everybody else does it, and then I, I and I get on them, but I'm doing it with the cards here. It's like I just needed to see them lose once um, in, in a bad, you know, get get beaten up real bad. All the the weird thing that is going on in the last two years in pro football is even the best teams get whipped at least once go back through it. I did. I counted them all up. We talked with Hench earlier in the week and I said, does it feel like even the, the very best teams get pounded once or twice? Uh, you look it up in 2020 and 2021 so far that is playing out. So that said, you know, I guess I'm looking for an excuse to to call the cards frauds. I mean, it, it has to do with Kyler Murray, who was an MVP candidate. It's kind of mirrors last season in that way. I think the Seahawks have to know we can't possibly lose this game at home and still reasonably talk about the playoffs. Their backs are fully to the wall here. I think the Seahawks get it, plus one and a half. Uh, Kyle and Murray pray, plays. I do like the Cardinals in this one. Uh, coming back full force, healthy. We're, you know, we saw Russ in his return. I just don't think that Seattle is that good. And I think, especially, you know, Russ is going to have some rust on him. And uh, the Arizona Cardinals are a good team, and I haven't really respected them enough. I like them in this game if Kyler plays. Okay, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll stick with the with the home team there. I got a, a hunch about them, and you know, you want to get crazy. I think the Rams win the division, but Cardinals lose this one and the Rams stumbling a little bit. Niners, look at their remaining schedule. They have a chance. It's an outside one, but they have a chance if they catch fire here 
to maybe rally all the way back and still win, win that division. But that would have to start with a Cardinals loss because they need some help from the two teams ahead of them right now. Cowboys and Chiefs, what a dandy, as I said to Cousin Sal already. Cowboys win this one. All of a sudden, Sal and Cowboys fans are going to be in a tough spot, which is they will be the team expected to go to the Super Bowl. And then that takes all the joy out of rooting for the team because then you only feel relief when they win. You don't feel joy when they win. But... In and of itself, a win in Arrowhead would be cause for joy. Cowboys plus two and a half. People have decreed Patrick Mahomes is back. You know what? I'm taking the Cowboys and I'm going over the 56 in this one. How say you? Uh, I like the Cowboys in this one. I know Tyron Smith is mm. limited to practice, but he returned, which is a good thing, a really good thing for Dak because obviously he he's the big difference maker on their offense. He's what makes it easier for him to throw the ball and makes it easier for Zeke and company to run the ball and their defense is opportunistic. So I just could see a game where they have a couple turnovers from the chiefs and uh, Dak is just you know, firing uh, on all cylinders and Zeke will get his, you know, a touchdown, maybe close to hundred yards in the ground versus a, a bad chiefs defense. So I like the Cowboys a lot in this one. And we'll skip Monday night football because you've already said you don't expect the giants to put up much of a fight. <laughs> Agreed. It's the yeah. bitter, the bitter bucks uh, lay in 10 and a half. That's not going to be enough. So let's talk about Sunday night, but it's hard to really pick this one because we really have very little idea who's going to be out there. It sounds like the Chargers are going to have Bosa back, who's unvaccinated, but was just a close contact. He doesn't have it, but Jerry Tillery does have it. But it sounds like he might play, but uh, Minka Fitzpatrick also has the 19, but it sounds like he's definitely not going to play. And in the meantime, TJ Watt isn't tracking to play. Ben Roethlisberger is in some question. We don't know about Chase Claypool. We don't know about either of the Steelers. Um, guards availability. Like I say, Steelers plus six and a half. I will be in SoFi Stadium. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy being there. The total on that one is 47. But for what it matters, I mean, there's, you know, there are going to be different guys with that uh, helmet with the logo on just one side than the ones who went into Buffalo and beat uh, beat the Bills. But they did beat the Bills. They on the road. They did beat the Browns on the road. And as I've said, it's inexplicable as far as I'm concerned. But the Steelers, unlike any pro football team I can think of, has a knack of playing up or down to the competition as much as any team I can think of over the decades. I don't know what, what to make sense of. Maybe I'm too close to it. Either way, I think the Steelers at least keep it close. So I'll take them plus six and a half. How's yeah, I mean, I wish I had a clearer picture on who exactly will be playing for the Steelers. Yeah, it's but, hard to pick because of um, yeah. if, if I knew these both these teams were fully healthy going into this matchup. And so if I probably would say the Steelers getting the points, but because it's uncertain, I may just take the home team with the charge. I don't love this one. Another really tough game. A lot of tough games this week, but uh, six and a half is a lot, but I, I could see. I can see like a, a late char- Chargers touchdown. They can win this game by seven points. So I'm going to stick with the home team. I'll tell you, it's a shame as a Steelers fan. And of course, I have the Chargers going to the Super Bowl and I stand by that, believe it or not. Um, I The matchup, though, if you have the Steelers pass rush in full effect and you have Minka, Justin Herbert throwing those deep balls, Minka is as equipped to make him pay for those as anybody and, and pick him up, uh, you know, a, a ball that's hanging just a tick too long. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick can make you pay, but that's moot since he's not going to be out there. All right, let's get to Dan Wetzel, but quickly before we do big week, 11 divisional matchup. We talked about it there. Cards, Seahawks, FanDuel Sportsbook wants to make it 
even bigger than it already is for both sides. FanDuel's given 30 to 1 odds on either team to win. All you have to do is pick one side to win and you can get $150 on a $5 bet. I say I'm taking the Seahawks. Spaghetti is on the fence. We'll see what Kyler Murray is there. You can also same game parlay this. Um, one of the more fun bets you can get there at FanDuel. No wonder it is the number one sports book in all the land, not just the fast payouts and everything else, but because of fun bets like this. I don't know about Kyler Murray. You know what is pretty dependable, though, Spaghetti? James Conner getting into the end zone. Bet him for an any tight touchdown. Then um, go with Russell Wilson to go over his passing yards. And then, depending on who you believe and like more, Spaghetti or Damashek, take the Cards or Seahawks. That's your same game parlay. Real quick, Spaghetti, let's take a quick break here. Here he is, everybody. Listen, college football season, once again, weighing heavy on my brain and my heart. Maybe this fella can clear things up for us. He may not be the king of sports media, but I think he sits on the high court, given uh, all the work that he's done in, in, you know, with the with the writing and the podcasting and the and the filmmaking and otherwise. You hear him on College Football Inquirer with Pat Forty and Pete Thamel. Produced by our pal Sully. It's Dan Wetzel. What's happening, man? Thanks for the time. Thanks for having me, man. How you been? I'm well. I'm well. Like I say, you know, I, I, I am. My brain has grown fuzzy once again, trying to divine what the committee is thinking as we approach another Final Four unveiling here. Let's just start right there. Fourth rated team in the nation is Ohio State. They've lost but once. That game was to the third-rated team, Oregon. Neither team has taken a loss, um, with, uh, has, has only the one loss. Explain to me how Alabama could be rated ahead of, uh, of both of those teams. Well, they all have a loss. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, it's Alabama, so they, they credit that. Alabama, uh, I mean, I, I'm not on the committee. Uh, these guys, I don't know. <laughs> but it makes no sense. They're not in first place in their own conference, and yet they're but they rate ahead well, of mighty Ohio State, unblemished in its own conference, which well, is a good conference. They lost by three at the uh, at the you know last second field goal at at Texas A&M, so it's a decent loss. Um, they've looked, sh- you know, shaky by Alabama standards and some victories. It's been closer than uh, you'd want. Um, Florida, which really hasn't turned out to be not a very good team. Right. And LSU, which is not a good team. But uh, I don't know. It's not like that. that it's not that crazy. I mean, it, Oregon lost to Stanford, which is not any good. No. Uh, I think by double digits. And, and then Ohio State lost to Oregon by double digits. So. Look, the the problem is that they even rank these teams at this stage of the year. It's completely irrelevant. It has nothing to do with anything, and all they do is rank them so that every so they lose credibility as a as a decision making group. And you look and go, well, you have uh, you know different standards here. You have biases. You have this. You this this doesn't make any sense. They trot out one of these ads every week who ends up saying absurd things like, well, the games don't really matter because of this computer. And all they do is kill their credibility on this. So should Alabama be two? Look, I don't know. If Alabama wins out, 
they're going to be in the playoff. That's all that really matters. If they don't win out and it's a very close game in Georgia, maybe they come in fourth or not. Whether they're two right now is not a thing. They, they're they're not going to be two at the end, so who cares? Uh, for Oregon wins out, they'll be in. Ohio State wins out, they'll be in. So, okay, so that's the end of the novel. But by the way, the original sin, when you talk about biases and the human condition, if you have preseason polls, that's that's the worst thing, right? Because now you have set in stone in your own brain expectation. And those expectations, when you talk about preseason polls, are owed to, for the most part, now you're obviously as plugged in as it gets, but still it relies upon what you've heard or what you've seen and and what you can glean from, boy, this kid's a blue chipper coming in. He's going to make a big difference. And what past deeds indicate to you, that's a, that's a faulty way to start the season on who's going to be good because then it allows you to, when, you know, Ohio state loses at home to Oregon, you only drop them so far in the standings because you have predetermined that they are still a powerhouse team. And so there's a different standard applied to the powerhouses ironically, over the teams that are the feel-good stories who are rising up out of nowhere. It's, it, but for the vexed and perhaps vapid cynics like me, does this end happily this season? Do you think we get a nice, reasonable Final Four? Or is Cincinnati, it, it sounds like you're leaning towards maybe Cincinnati not finding its way in, and is that justice served? Well, Cincinnati is going to need some help. Right. They don't they don't control their own destiny. Um, whether you know, it's hard to say. A lot of years the four are perfectly reasonable. There's almost no debate on the four. And if the if the committee would just uh you know, you talk about the the sin of the preseason poll, yeah, it's totally absurd, right? But those are media polls, coaches' polls, those are just fun and uh you don't have your official thing. For the official body to to understand that, but then start releasing them six weeks in or six weeks to go. Uh, is it, it makes no sense. So if they just came out every year with their last poll or they just said, here's the playoff field, we don't even rank them. We just seed one through four. And then we we set up these other games, you know, here's your peach, you know, Chick-fil-A bowl and things like that. The, the committee would have a lot more credibility. There's a lot of years you're just like, yeah, here are the four. Pretty simple. Um, these are the obvious four. And everyone would go, okay, good. These guys did a good job. Said everyone hates them because they, they self-inflict. Um, it will probably not be particularly controversial. We'll we'll see. Cincinnati's issue is obviously if Alabama, if if Oregon and Ohio State went out, or someone's come, someone will likely come out of the Big Ten, unless uh, Ohio State loses and then Michigan State loses and then Ohio. You could have that. That could happen. But for the most part, one of these teams is going to have one loss, uh, whether it's Ohio State, Michigan State, or Michigan, and they're going to be in the playoff, right? Georgia's going to be in the playoff, even if unless it loses its last, like loses to Georgia Tech and then loses to in the in the SEC championship game, uh, they would probably be out. Um, but if 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 Alabama beats Georgia, they're probably both in. Oregon could just keep winning and they're going to be in. One of these Big Ten teams is going to win. So then, what do you do with Cincinnati? They're stuck at five. Cincinnati's in the friend zone, man. They they the committee wants to pretend they like them, but they don't really like them. Right. It's not it's not really going to happen uh, if everybody loses like all the other guys, uh, you know, like on Earth move out of town. Well, you can take me to the homecoming dance then, but only then. Right. Um, there's not a thing. 
But the other one they have to worry about is Oklahoma State uh, or potentially even Oklahoma bouncing back and coming in out of the Big 12 with just one loss. Oklahoma State has a three-point loss at Iowa State. They're going to get to play Oklahoma in the final game of the year uh, in Bedlam, and then they're going to get to play Baylor, who's, I don't know what they're at, 10 or something, 11. Um, so they have a chance at two very good wins, and they would end up being a 12-1 and Big 12 champion with their only blemish being a, a three-point loss at Iowa State. Very likely that is enough to leapfrog them over a Cincinnati team that at this stage of the game, because Indi- they, they had two great non-conference games, Indiana turned out to be terrible, that right. they're riding basically the, the victory over Notre Dame. So uh, those are the concerns for Cincinnati. They need other people to lose to, to get into this thing, or else it's pretty easy to leave them out. Well, we could fire up We Are Cowboys forever. I hadn't considered uh, Oak State um, getting in there, uh, sliding in the back Which is why there, the but- poll is so stupid, because it doesn't matter where Oklahoma State has been ranked. Right. Because they haven't the played their victories. hardest games. Right. And so it's like, well, who cares? They're right. Yeah, they're here now. If the season ends today, this is the poll. Well, season's not ending today. So, like, it's just, this is taking, like, a, some ESPN power poll and trying to legitimize it. Like, wow, I think the Packers got the best team and they should be – well, that's not – that's got nothing to do with anything right now. Well, by the way, the cleanest way for Cincinnati or otherwise to sneak in there is for Georgia to beat Bama and in the SEC title game. I haven't looked to see if there's a number been issued on that game, but I assume Georgia will be a slight favorite, at least in that one. Um, I, you know, you talk, you, you mentioned pro football as that, that's what vexes me so about this. Once you eliminate the polls and, uh, you know, I pine still for the late 20th century when all hash was settled on New Year's Day. You knew just as firmly as we know now after all the the BCS and then the Final Four and everything else. I still go back to New Year's Day and, you know, in 1989 and you felt as good about we collectively understood who the best team in the country was when you went to bed before you had to go to school the next day on New Year's Day, as, split, as you do split, now. Split They're, champions in 1989. Well, that, well, see, that was a terrible reference. Was it 89? <laughs> I think it was. I'm thinking Washington. Maybe it was 90. Tech. Maybe it was 90. I think it was yeah. 90, either okay. way. But, yes, Steve Entman. All I don't think era. you knew. I don't think you knew. Uh, you have some – You go in the, the cloud of nostalgia, it might seem like a good idea. Go back and really look at those things, and there are some absolutely lunatic number ones out there. Well, listen, I, I've labeled myself Buck Baloo for today and for this conversation <laughs> for a reason, because in 1980, mm-hmm. if Pitt would have, if they didn't have the old uh, approach of you have to accept bold bids in advance of even the end of the regular season, so they committed to playing in the Gator Bowl to make sure they played in a bowl game, but then they went and beat Penn State, and had they waited that one out when Notre Dame then lost, they would have gone to the Sugar Bowl, played Georgia head-to-head, and defeated them just like they did the following season in the Sugar Bowl. Anywho, that's in the way back machine. This is better. I'm not going with your the old way was better. This is better, but this isn't very good. It'll get good when they have a real playoff, but this is better. It is improvement. It's just. But I believe in merit. And I feel like once you start getting into like 
teams eight and nine and 10, can they rightfully lay claim to being the best team in football? At least this provides us. When you have four, I can see an argument if you're the fourth rated team in the nation. We're the best. Our, our body of work is the best. Once you start getting into six, seven, eight, all right, you have a couple. You're, you're going to have two loss, three loss teams playing and winning some games there in, in early January. I find that much, I mean, it's in line with the rest of how pretty much any other big-time sport resolves who the best team in the country is. It doesn't necessarily mean it's the best approach. Um, it's, you know, with pro football, it, the way this is, for Cincinnati to go undefeated, they're within the division, uh, you know, they're Division 1A or whatever you call it these days, um, and they happen to be in an easier division. The Tennessee Titans are going to be the number one seed in the AFC, not because they're necessarily the best team, but because they have the easiest path. Cincinnati gets dinged. It's like uh, my point of reference is always the early 90s Niners-Cowboys NFC title games. Whoever won that game, you knew the two best teams were playing there. They didn't then at the end of that game say, ah, we know they're still the two best. You just send them both to the Super Bowl and let them settle right, right. instead of playing the Chargers. That's why I, I think it stinks if you're Cincinnati. What, what, do you, what do you want us to do? We scheduled a, a Power 5 Indiana team. We scheduled Notre Dame. We beat them in South Bend. What more can we possibly do to impress you? Like I say... Vaguely unsatisfying to me. Um, that will be eliminated with the bigger playoff. So you take your goods with your bads. You also get the the entertainment factor of just, you know, uh, like you said, there's a reason these things are produced, not necessarily, you know, I don't know. Maybe there'd be no play. It's like the old base, like, or like the premier league, right? Don't they, there is no playoff. They just play. And at the end of the season, you have the record, I think, or something like that. Like there's no playoff. There's no playoff. They just, it goes all year. That's probably the best way, like a round robin, but with 130 teams. So yeah, Cincinnati, they don't really have a, they don't really have a choice. You say, we'll improve your schedule. How? Guys won't play us. Um, so if we can't, can't get play, can't, you won't play us. What are we supposed to do? Is Cincinnati one of the four best teams? Eh, you know, but at no, least get I, a chance I, to see. And one thing you can do in college football because recruiting in college sports, you take a, you take Gonzaga, right? Gonzaga started as this, hey, they, they had a, this upset once and they, they became kind of this, this March darling like 20 years ago. And then they made a Sweet 16 and they made another one. And then they made an Elite Eight. And each time they kept going, they'd get a little better players and a little better players. And now – they're the number – they didn't win it last year, but they made the finals. They're number one mm -hmm. team, I think, right now, or UCLA is. But whatever. They are an absolute juggernaut because they slowly built up and slowly built up, like each win in a playoff. So the idea of a Cincinnati or a Boise State winning let's, – let's go back to when Boise State got to play Oklahoma, right? One of the most exciting college football games, memorable football games ever. What if they get to play the next week, right? They had Kellen Moore. They had, like, they had a bunch of pros on that team. Who knows? No one thought they beat Oklahoma. But then if you keep having access to win, they get a little better, they get a little better, they get a little better. Why couldn't Boise State be a powerhouse? Like you go, well, it's a Boise, Idaho. Well, look at where some of these powers are. Like is Lincoln, Nebraska anywhere you would think would be a historic power or Tuscaloosa, Alabama? No, like Boise, Boise is actually a great, pretty, pretty happening city. So you can build up and build up and build up. Right now, since he's got no shot, uh, unless everybody loses. And so they need, they need multiple losses. And, and I, I definitely think the big 12 is one that they're looking over their shoulder at. There's also this bit where, you know, 
you watch them rank Michigan ahead of Michigan State and say, hey, look, Michigan's got better, better this, 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 and this over Michigan State, which is completely irrelevant because Michigan State's about to play Ohio State and Penn State. But they lost to Notre Dame. Notre Dame's could win every one more their every other game with a better record. Do you could you possibly move Notre Dame ahead of Cincinnati? I think that'd be I mean that is ridiculous. That's the one. That would that, w- that would be it. It would be so baldly absurd that if the if they share one loss over the course of the entire season and it was the one beating the other. So the undefeated the team. Other. Yeah, right. I it's, mean, that would be so loco. It would be so shameful. I, I, I don't guarantee know how they could possibly all of the metrics those guys have in front of them, because you know, a, a, an analytic, it sounds like it has no inherent bias, but it's whatever you pop in. Is the, the, sure. the, the numbers going in is the bias. I guarantee that every analytic there that committee's staring at has Notre Dame ranked out of Cincinnati because they play. And Notre Dame is funny because they actually have beaten no great teams. They, they beat Wisconsin, who's getting there. But they have no really great, great wins. But they have a ton of wins over decent teams that are capable of beating you. And that's a whole other argument. Are you better playing a whole bunch of, of North Carolinas who actually aren't that bad, but they aren't having – or – would you rather play a bunch of bad teams but have that one great win over uh, – it's kind of like what Oregon has. Oregon has one great win and then a lot of wins over it. Um, so which one's better? Well, it depends on how you program that analytic. That's There's so many variables to think. It, look, the sport is is inherently nuts. It's 130 teams playing for one title. And, and you've got and 19 year olds 19 and year olds. they are more uh, right. And uh, one uh, school right. can spend a hundred million dollars and another spending four and, and one's in a huge city and one's in the middle of nowhere. And you have military academies and religious institutions and state schools and private schools and schools that actually care whether, uh, you know, you've got a perfect ACT and ones that'll let a kid in on a 23 on his alphabet, right? Like you've got it all. And they're all playing for one. That's the fun part is it's it, the absurdity. Unfortunately, you got to live with the, the absurdity. So if we get a little more clarity at the end, it'd be good. But Cincinnati, I don't know. I'm not real hopeful or confident that Cincinnati is going to be in this playoff. Yeah, well, you you make a powerful case uh, short of something, like I say. A I, I, couple it, losses. They need a few losses. I, well, I, I'm hoping at least, fingers crossed, as a man of justice, based on what Cincinnati has done, not just even this season, and I'm not trying to apply and be, uh, uh, you know, uh, to to go against what I just said there, but um, I'm hoping that Bama loses to Georgia and that clears the path. But then you talk about Oklahoma State and you're probably right that they'll jump over them anyway and then I'll be even more vexed. But the worst of all is Notre Dame going over. That would be, I don't think they'll do that. I think that would just be too glaring. Like at some point they're just going to be like, I don't know. It depends how serious these people take the job. Well, it's also the ongoing assumption, and it and it's right. I get it that the SEC is better, but you know, I, I say I'm a, a man of merit, and so if you're in the toughest conference, but on the other hand, it matters way less that Bama struggles against bum LSU and loses to A&M and almost loses to Florida than it does when Ohio State. That's that that well, that shows that. 
they're uh, worthy of uh, they're not worthy of being ahead of Alabama or Georgia because they struggle against Nebraska. It's a different standard. It's a, the the Big Ten isn't some joke conference no. that, that that deserves to you know uh, that's uh, at the kids' table next to the SEC. Anyway, you literally wrote that. I'm going to take a, a hard right turn here. You literally wrote the book on UNLV. It's dynamite, running rebel. Curious your thoughts. Who'd win a best of seven? UNLV, that era UNLV, or the Fab Five? UNLV. That's correct. That's correct. Well, I just had to ask you because, you know, they both have had documentaries and books and otherwise written about them. Fab Five was good, but they were freshmen and sophomores against juniors and seniors. Man, Larry Larry Johnson's a – I mean, come on. Who's guarding Larry Johnson? I mean, Juwan Howard would have guarded him at some point, but not that year. Like that, that dude, that UNLV team, uh, they were all upperclassmen. They're, they were so good. Uh, they could press, they could run the, 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 you know, the whole thing. Look, people talk about this massive upset. They lost a one possession game to Grant Hill, Bobby Hurley, Christian Leitner, coach K that went on to win two titles. Like they didn't just lose to like, you know, nobody here. And, and they won all those games in a row. I'll, I'll always take Isn't it. that, but isn't that, but it kind of does inform uh, some of what we're talking about here. It's based on assumption going in. And that's why Bama always has the edge over everybody. And I find it an unsatisfying answer when people say, you really want to see Georgia play Cincinnati? Don't you know what would happen to they Cincinnati? They played last year as a one possession game. Last play of the game, Georgia beat them. The jo- a lot of Georgia it. seniors were gone, but all the kids that are playing right now at Georgia played in that game. It was a, now, and, uh, is it a motivation change or people better? Sure, but how the hell you know? So it was a Cincinnati almost won that game. Yeah, and, and and by the way, you mentioned the Boise State win over Oklahoma. Now Oklahoma wasn't number one in the nation when that happened, but it still should matter that when people reject the idea out of hand, these teams can't oh, come on. What put Boise State or or uh, a team like Cincinnati in the mix with the big boys? Yeah. Remember Boise State. There's another one that has slipped through the cracks of history for some reason is Urban Meyer in Utah. Pitt was not a great team, obviously, but they're a power five team in in a big bowl. And they, Herb and company destroyed Pitt there. There are enough uh, examples out there to say that it's not a ridiculous quarterback. Now had the number right. one draft pick as his quarterback. That, that uh, Utah team, I think, we talked about on our podcast would have been the most interesting um, playoff hmm. team to come. You have Urban Meyer, you have this entire uh, Dan Mullins coach in there. They got Alex Smith. They got ta- they had a couple good wide receivers. Perfect season, and you know what damage could they do? Uh, the, the the thing about the college football playoff is generally there are one or two really good teams in college football that are better than everyone else, and so one of the reasons it's been unsatisfying, not exciting is most of the, most of the semifinal games aren't close. Okay. Notre Dame gets beat. Mm-hmm. Michigan state gets beat. Ohio state gets, I mean, a lot of teams get beat soundly, right? Oklahoma's lost a million of them, right? They give seven touchdowns and one half once in a, in a semifinal, the semifinals aren't really good. And that's why by extending it, you could, you're going to get better games early on because it's going to be, can, can, can Cincinnati upset this Georgia team? I don't think so. Could they upset Wisconsin if it was a 5-12 game 
and and the games in Cincinnati on their campus, biggest event that ever happened. Could Cincinnati win that game? Oh yeah, they can win that game, and that would be an a, a huge day for college football. It'd be very very exciting, exciting for that school and all that. We don't get any of that. It's like here you go. Okay, you want in through to the Wolves. Remember the, the Michigan State team that won the Big Ten and made the playoff. They deserved it, but that was a classic like. That was just Michigan State, Mark D'Antonio, just gutting it out, maximizing. They beat Iowa in this incredible long drive at the end of the Big Ten. It was like, great, you won, and here's your reward. Go go get killed like 38-0 to Alabama, and you get humiliated. So that's kind of one of the problems is you're all going to lose, but we because there's so few games, there's no excitement because it's like, I mean, you looked at it last year. It's like, there's no way Notre Dame's beating Alabama or Alabama, right? There just was no way. And they didn't. They played them decent. Actually played them better than anyone else did. But they still lost by 17 points. In a way, if I blur my eyes and uh, plug my ears just enough, you're kind of advocating for the 20th century formula. Because what was great was, and they have, they've, they, they vacated this now, but Every week, the the beauty of the previous college football format, which was, you know, go to bowl games and try to figure it out by vote after the fact. And I get that people find that unsatisfying, but at least week two, any game, you stumble, you lose any claim to um, being in charge of uh, the rest of the city. You, you, you vacate your claim to being the best team in the nation. And that added stakes to every week from the first week on. And that's what made it feel more important week in and week out. And you knew you couldn't stumble even once. And they're 19 year olds. And you could stumble. Uh, you could stumble. They, there's a ton of one loss teams Too You got it's nostalgia, man. You got to look, I wrote two books on this thing. It, it, it's, 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 it's not how you remember it. You know what would have happened? Michigan state would have gone to the Rose bowl and beaten a bad Pac-12 team and been 13-0 and and 14-0 and and said, we're national champs. They never would have had to play Alabama. Michigan State team wasn't a national champ. They sucked. <laughs> Alabama crushed them. That's what would have happened in the old system. So Michigan State would have... Uh, why, 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 but that happened once a decade, and this happens about as much where you, you feel are, unsatisfied. That's our national champ. That's I remember feeling the the Huskies and, Georgia and Tech. Yellow Jackets. They're like, that's the national... Yeah, these yeah. two or so. That's a Alabama terrible Alabama would have had to share a national title with Michigan State, a team that they were... I, I think it was 38. It may have been 31. Whatever it was. It wasn't close. It was whatever. Nick Saban called the it's his old school he doesn't want to you know he's nice to him could have beat him 60 60 to zero that's that's how college football used to work the old system's terrible absolutely terrible nostalgia makes you think it was great you remember this one game or that more games mattering more conference races mattering more chances for people the spreading out of who's good and not more games that are exciting in the playoff all better on campus forget these stupid neutral site bowl games terrible can you imagine NFL playoffs? If we said, "Hey, you know what? You got the you got the last year's NFC Championship game, right? Tampa's going up to. Well, they had no fans in the stands. We'll say it's this year. Tampa's going up to to Green Bay, and it's going to snow, and the place is going to be packed, wild, and go. Hold on, hold on. We don't want this. Let's move this thing to the Alamo Dome. That'll be much. Well, more. that's the Super Bowl, but that's the but the Super Bowl. They do it for that. every that's game. Big- put it on campus. Put it in the put it in the stadiums. You earn home field. It'll be so much better. It's better. Your old system was not good. You want Michigan State as your national champ? 
Have at it. They, well, all right. Listen, I, 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 you I'm know, not going to go I'm, on. I'm not I'm, bending on this. I would I would love to let's let's see if Ken Burns can do an 11 part documentary on this. It'll just be a debate. I'll get smarter two people. Two books than called I Death of the BCS. <laughs> I got the documentary. <laughs> I, I, you're not going to talk me out of loving right, the old you go New Year's Day. Five New Year's Day was football awesome. games. And they need to it return was the, the semifinals or the court, whatever they're going to put. Probably uh, they should return the semifinals. Problem is the Rose Bowl won't move. And there's they, they they lobby these guys. It's like it's like politics. Like so like what do you mean? Why don't we play the semifinals on New Year's Day when everyone wants to watch college football, but we can't because the Rose Bowl can only have, and all this politics. So we play it on the 28th. What or New Year's Eve? They were trying to do it. They you know I mean no one wants to watch college football on New Year's Eve. They want to watch it on New Year's Day. Put it on New Year's Day. Mm-hmm. So bring back New Year's Day. I'm all for that. But. I like the old way. It was fun, but it, it it made zero sense. And there's too much money in this thing. I could take through, but I won't uh, bore you or anyone else. I mean, all through, it was always the Cotton Bowl. Texas was in it nine times out of 10. And if they won, they would have a claim to the national title. And invariably, they would lose that game. Then the Rose Bowl would be played and it would be gorgeous to look at. Didn't always have national championship implications, but it was satisfying to hear Keith Jackson call it and sure. the the setting sun in the golden hour in Southern California. Then you had the competing night games, Orange Bowl and Sugar Bowl. And when it was all done, we all knew, yeah, that's our national champion. See, it all worked yeah. out. It, it it felt right to all me. Right, right. It's not nostalgia. Or maybe it is. I don't know. But let, let me ask you this. You feel like the guy yelling, like, you know, what is this with the wheel? The wheel. Overrated. <laughs> Well, fire. I have a, Who but, invented fire? I don't need fire. I'll eat my meat jerked out like this. But don't you see, <laughs> chili is better than soup because it's not a soup. People who advocate, they attempt to advocate for chili by saying it is absolutely a soup. No, no, no. It's something better. It's unique. That's what the college football system was. Everybody else has a playoff. It stood out because it wasn't that. It was based on something different. And like I say, every chapter from September 1st on mattered more than any. What? What? The, what? the Bills just lost to the Jaguars 9-6? to six? Like, oh, yeah, that doesn't matter. That, that, that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It, it did matter in college football. If you stumble against a bad team, well, now you're out of the national championship hunt. That The stakes were so great back then. But all right. Give me one. Throw out a name. You mentioned Michigan State here because I want to ask you about uh, some Heisman stuff to wrap up here. But is there an upset, whether it's Sparty against Ohio State this weekend or otherwise, that would really shake things up in a significant way that you want to throw out here right now? Like most That you want to predict will actually happen. Yeah, I I think Ohio State will handle Michigan State this weekend. I agree. Um, I think that there is a argument that you can talk yourself into that Michigan can beat Ohio state. Hmm. Uh, they have the pass rush. Um, they have a running game. They'll, they will need superior performances and all that. And the games in Ann Arbor, you can make, I think you can, I won't pick, Ohio, I will probably pick Ohio state, but um, it's a real, you got to really talk yourself in circles to get Michigan state. Uh, I mean, they're getting 18 and a half. Okay, so to actually win the game outright, that is a significant that's a significant upset. Utah can absolutely beat, I think they're favored 
can beat they're Oregon favored. this they're weekend. They're given three, yeah. three and a half from uh, what I last Terrific saw. defense. Uh, they control the clock. They're at home. It's a tough place to play. It'll be at, uh, be late afternoon into the, to the evening, um, especially when it gets dark. You're at altitude. There's a million reasons that Utah can upset this thing significantly with that. Uh, the other one that could shake it up in some ways, I mean, those are that's it. I, I, I You know, Iron Bowl next weekend, games in Auburn. Auburn's got a chance. Crazy things happen. You've had the kick six and a million other crazy plays. Uh, that could certainly upset things. I don't see where Georgia stumbles. Cincinnati could lose this weekend to SMU. SMU's a good ball club, and Cincinnati's not looked overpowering. Um, those would be my ones if I was if I was ranking ones to watch before the conference championship game. It would be it would be Utah winning. It would be Auburn winning. It would be SMU winning, and and maybe Michigan winning. But I I don't like that game. I'm just saying if if, if these next two. That also, here's the thing about Ohio State. Played Purdue last weekend. They're going to play Michigan State this weekend. They may beat Michigan State soundly. Michigan State, when you play them, you know you played them. They hit. They are going to come. The Michigan game is going to be intense. They're going to hit. And then waiting at the end is probably Wisconsin, which has a very good defense and and hit. Like they have a grind, the Buckeyes. Every game physical. Um, so can they get through all of those? That's really the, the question. I think they're the best team. That's a lot in a row. Boy, it's a, you set up, I, and the one you mentioned, if uh, if Auburn could beat Bama and then Bama turned around and, and beat Georgia, right. I'm not sure exactly how that settles. Alabama's going to get in. You really would think? Put them in. Bama, it, Auburn beats Bama, but Bama beats Georgia. Yeah. Two lost Bama is one of the four they'll, best they'll teams put them in. at that point. Yeah, they'll put them in. Oh, and, that, and I, Georgia. I, I, I go both on. be in. It'll be like three, four. <laughs> that would be the worst. Um, all right. About Michigan State, though. I agree with you. I think uh, I'll take Ohio State laying uh, a, a hefty uh, 18 and a half. If Kenneth Walker has a great game, no matter the outcome, although if you are if you lose by three touchdowns, I don't know how big a factor he is. But let's say he has a huge game or, or you know, over 100 yards, a touchdown or three. Is he the Heisman favorite? Because my head is spinning as a pit guy. Um, I, I can't make sense of the standard that's being applied here in terms of the odds. Stroud and Young are on better teams than Kenny Pickett by by a little, not by a ton. It's not like Pitt is some you know six and yeah. five team. They're they're, they're the a nice ACC. team this yeah. year, right? And on the other hand, Matt Corral is not on a better team than Pitt. Maybe if they played head to head, that would be disproven. But you know, close enough in, in in terms of record and otherwise. And he also has significantly better odds to win the Heisman. Why is Kenny Pickett not more respected in terms of chances of winning the Heisman here? And I go back to my original thing: Is it all moot if Kenneth Walker isn't the best quarterback, but the best football player in the country when it's all said? And done? Well, I, I think uh, to answer them slowly and just you know one after the other, Kenny. Uh, uh, Kenny Walker, Kenneth Walker III can win the Heisman Trophy undoubtedly the next two weeks. If he, if he does to Ohio State even half of what he did to Michigan, five touchdowns, um, and he looks like the best back out there. Like he's the He was the difference in that game. Michigan would have won that game if Kenneth Walker third was still at Wake Forest. Like Michigan State played a nice game, and they did enough, but this is the guy who's breaking 60-yard runs and, and all the plays. So if he does that against Ohio State, he's going to win the Heisman. Um, the problem with the Heisman is this. They have like 1,200 voters. of, and, and how many of them are paying attention? Uh, we have no idea. 
Like, you know, and why are they voting? Do they only watch one conference? That's why the SEC has got the thing now. You have no idea. So do they, how many of them even know who Kenny Pickett is? Eh, it's not a hundred percent. Let me tell you that. Like it, it's not a hundred percent. It's somewhere less. I know. You should know it's who the guy is. Because I know you're right. I know you're. I, I know you're right. But it's insane. Yeah, it's that, totally insane. that they haven't watched him play. It's not nineteen again. It's not nineteen eighty five. We now do have games all over the place all week long. It used to be at least you had the fallback of like. Where would I have seen them play? I'm, I I live on the West oh, Coast. How yeah. would I have ever yeah. seen Florida oh, State television. play? Yeah, you'd think if you <laughs> agree to be a Heisman voter, you would get a good TV pack. I'll give you a, a different example of how the voters can be ridiculous. So if you remember the old BCS, they had something called the Harris Poll because the, the yeah. AP people were like, we can't be involved in this. This is creating the news. Uh, you know, we report the news, right? So good. The AP bails out. So they, they create the Harris Bowl. They, they get like 65, 70 people around the country, football experts. They're going to they're gonna vote at the end, okay? So one year, uh, one guy forgot to vote in the end, just didn't even put his ballot in, okay? Another year, um, Utah, like, <laughs> I forgot. how do you forget, right? Like you're literally deciding the national championship game and you're just like, oh, is that today? Right, so um, – there was another year that we talked about the Utah team with with um, with Alex Smith and Urban Meyer. Mm-hmm. And all mm-hmm. So they 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 crush Pitt. So we call up. We said, you know, I wonder how well these guys were sixth. They were sixth in that poll. Like that man. This is at least the third best team, right? At least. And so we said, hey, let's call up and see how many people are wish they could do their vote again. So Josh Peter works at USA Today now. He works at Yahoo with me, and he helped me write Death of the BCS. Uh, and I'm really not plugging this book because I don't get a dollar out of it. It's like in the dollar. It's it's long gone. But so we call up, we start calling up Harris voters, right? So the first uh, first four people we get in touch with said, oh, man, they are incredible last night. That was unbelievable. They look really good. So what would you think? Why'd you vote them where you did? Oh, I never saw them play this year. And you go, wait, wait. <laughs> You're one of the 50-something people who are choosing – the best team and there's an undefeated team and not, not like ball state, like the university of Utah and you never bothered to even watch one game now. And you, you gotta, I mean, speaking of ball state, you gotta have some balls to not lie in that situation. Like that. No, nope, but that's I the thing. That's that, that the mentality. So if you think they know who Kenny Pickett is, Hell no. They don't. They barely. The only reason I know Kenneth Walker the third is because the highest rated game on TV this year has been the Michigan Michigan State game. And he scored five TDs and it was a huge game. And then the rest of the day, the highlights for the other games, like, well, in the middle of the first quarter, some SEC game, they go, well, earlier today, Michigan State, and you see this one guy ship right down the. That's how that's the only chance. Otherwise, like, well, Bryce Young looks good. Dude, I, some of these places are like, it's the system too, right? You can't just every quarterback can't be the hot, the best court, but he is a good quarterback. Matt Corral, they're just looking for somebody. I don't know. Kenny, Kenny Pickett's had an incredible season. He's done more for uh, that team than any other team. Pitt's having this That's magical right. season. Value. That's exactly right. right. When you, if the Heisman stands is uh, who I, I, nobody and said here, it is. Here's why you want this playoff to expand. Pitt's season right. is like, nobody cares. Because Clemson lost in that league. Nobody cares that no one from the ACC is going. How unbelievable would a Wake Forest pit ACC title game be with a 
playoff bid on the line, not just a playoff bid, but Pitt getting to host a playoff game. How incredible would that night be for the University of Pittsburgh and all the Panther fans? It'd be the biggest night since Dan Marino left, right? And That's right. Instead, nobody's going to be watching this game in, in half-filled Charlotte or whatever they're going to have because everyone's going to be watching the Big Ten game. And it's like, that sucks, man. Pitt's having a great season. Put some respect on what they're doing. And instead, the system is created to be like, yeah, we don't, we don't care about that. Who's Pitt? What? Come back next year and see us. Oh, man, if the U, if if they wouldn't have lost to the U, I really would love to know in an alternate universe where Pitt would be ranked right now. And would they be, in fact, tracking to one of those top four spots? They need help. I'd they like- need help. Wake wasn't until, you know, they lost, you know, Wake wasn't. Uh, could Pitt? I mean, you know, yeah, probably be sixth or fifth. Be right there. I think they'd be, yeah. And, and you assume with a Bama loss to Georgia, that could open the door. But anyway, that's, that's where you're at. Dead. But yeah, that's so, yeah, there's that one loss. But so you say, well, that would have been great. And every game matters for Pitt, it does, not for other teams. Uh, but you lose out on like how wild these last few games would be for Pitt. And that's good for college well, so football. You know, your, you know your stuff. That much is clear. I don't know if you know this uh, this detail. They uh, in the Victory Bell game, they used to wear their home jerseys, and I would swoon as a as a kid growing up on the banks of the Three Rivers. I would turn off Michigan and Ohio State after that game would end, and Pitt and Penn State would finish the the latest uh, edition of the Beast of the East game, and these were major games. And then I'd flip over later in the afternoon, and there would be a sun bake so you could you could hardly look at the TV in 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 late November, early December to make sense. But they're both wearing their home jerseys. And my old man would explain, they're both L.A. teams, don't you see? So they're both at home. And I would swoon over the, over the aesthetics yeah. of it. It was great. That USC-UCLA game, do the, they're playing this weekend. That's okay. Right. Tune into that and then click over to the other things. It's like it's like the Wizard of Oz, right? Like when they put all of a sudden it goes color. It's like, whoa, look at that. And then you go and then it's like Iowa's playing like, Minnesota, and it's just gray and dark. <laughs> oh, I, I, you're, you're not. I, I won't badmouth the steel gray skies. I love it, but that, yeah. but a completely different looking like setup and everything. Green. And then they went away from it. Then whether it was at the Coliseum or yeah, at the, yeah. then they started to wear their white jerseys. But then Dave Damashek got coaches New Heisel and Carroll on the you telephone at the same time on the radio and in the moment got them to agree to both wear their home jerseys and accept 15-yard penalties on either side to return to the great tradition in the victory bell game. I tell you that because I'm vain, but also because I want to hear what you think are win, play, show, the best uniforms in college football before we let Well, I, I will say... Uh, conc- or if you want to do matchup, you can thank do a you. matchup. First, I just you say go thank the extra you. mile. Thank you. Um, so uniforms are tough because, like, what the hell is your uniform, Right. I will say the all-white UCLA, when they go all-white, I love that one. That's that's the hmm. all-white. Okay. I like that one. All right. Hmm. Best uniforms. I mean, these guys have 700 uniforms now, so it's not as easy. Uh, the traditional, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I have a top three. I don't know. I'll tell you this. I'll fill for you. You know what might be the best uniform matchup of 2021 to make it about Pitt again? 
Pitt hosting UNC last week. It was it was Pitt's beautiful. uniform was, was they beautiful. were looking sharp last week. Oh, and the they powder blue, the Carolina yeah. blue, lovely. Carolina's stuff. got nice um, uniforms. Uh, I'm trying to think of who else has good ones that you know. I mean, some of them are just traditional, but uh, uh, I do like that. I, I mean, they. I don't know. There's some ugly ones too. But there's some good ones. I mean, give us that. Uh, give us your least favorite. Well, actually, I'll give you the, my favorite part of college sports is okay. You go to like Tennessee, go to Knoxville. Okay, you go to a game. They're all it's, let's say it's an all orange game. Whole crowd's wearing orange, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. got orange everywhere, and you start looking around. And go, man, I need one of these orange. I need an orange shirt like that. Oh, this is looking good. And you buy the shirt, and you go home, and you put the shirt on, and everyone goes, "What the hell kind of color is that? Why would you?" <laughs> <laughs> well, it looked it looked good, <laughs> looked good there. Like, you know, who has anyone ever heard of the color burnt orange? Right, except for tech, I mean, it looks good when you're all together, but you know, anywhere else, you're like, what? Like Clemson's like that. Like, what kind of hat is that? Why would you have a hat? <laughs> So true. It is the uniform equivalent of Mardi Gras beads. They only have currency for one week in one place on the planet Earth. That's that's absolutely right. Uh, Awesome stuff, uh, Dan Wetzel. We appreciate it. We appreciate uh, that. I mean, the podcast is dynamite stuff. Our pal Sean Sullivan making it all happen. Nice shout out there, too, by the way, to his beloved Tennessee. Tell him if he has any juice. They can never wear those black, all black uniforms again. Those look, those look just like it. I like those. I like those. I thought that these guys, nobody has any sanctity in their uniform anymore. So very few schools, very few schools. True enough. True enough. See, that's why I like Penn State. And I like the numbers, the number on the side of the hat. That, that would be cool. Imagine being 18 and it's like, yeah, you're number 11 for Alabama. And you get to wear that. That would be, I I don't know. There'd be a better honor in, in college football for a kid. Anyway, uh gangbuster stuff man really appreciate it we agreed on some things we disagreed on others and uh either way it was a good time and uh and best wishes with the rest of college awesome football man season. thanks for having me on the great dan wetzel everybody make sure you're checking out college football Inquirer with pat forty and pete thamel and produced like i say by spaghetti's pal and mine sean sullivan aka sully good stuff there spaghetti final thoughts before we get out of here that that was uh, really as good as it gets in terms of understanding the process of the of the playoff and in the Heisman voting too, and I think he did a really good job laying it out and just the thought process from this committee. Uh, I know. I could tell as listening to this, you were not thrilled with him saying a couple of things. I know that really bother you is number one, no Cincinnati. Number two, a two loss or a multi-loss Alabama team making it. But I, I think he laid out why. And I will say something. No, 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 no why? If, if Alabama loses to Auburn, they're out of it, period. They cannot go to the national championship game or, or the, the final four if they lose to Auburn. If they have two regular season losses in their conference, they are out of the run. They can go ahead and win the SEC championship and perhaps mess things up for Georgia. And it'll be ugly if Georgia still goes, even if they lose their chance. But what are we doing? There, There's more teams that are good at football outside of the SEC that would warrant a bid over two teams who would both have strikes in the last column. And in ba- that would be that would be loco and that would be crazy, almost as crazy, I guess, um, th- uh, crazier than Notre Dame going over Cincinnati. Well, I have a point about that in a second, but uh, I actually slightly do agree with you with the Alabama stuff uh, in regards to <laughs> that a two loss team when you have a bunch of other teams that are either could be undefeated or one loss. I agree. But if you put Alabama versus, you know, whatever team you want on a neutral site, then 
they're going to be favored. But with, you know, with the Notre Dame thing too, I've said this on multiple shows on the Extra Points Network that I said from the start of the season, I did not have faith in them making the playoff. I thought they were going to be a multiple loss team. If they played Cincinnati this week, Notre Dame would beat Cincinnati because they one team was trending upwards, one team is trending downwards. And, you know, we're talking about the schedule of Notre Dame. It's like they did play Purdue. They did play Wisconsin, Vatek in Blacksburg, UNC, USC, teams that were supposed to be pretty good that kind of like fell off this year. Like, I mean, USC, Keaton Slovis was, you know, potentially in the Heisen race. UNC, obviously, with Sam Howell, same kind of thing. Like they schedule their schedule is relatively tough, yeah, but that's the same thing as that's the same thing as as Cincinnati. Like they they scheduled Indiana, who was really good last year. That was a well, that looked like a good matchup. It didn't play out that way. But and, their schedule is like 70. It's like 70 apart. It's like one is in the I hundreds and one is in the 30. It's like not really comparable. I know, but the, but they're yeah. I hear you, but let's not tie ourselves into knots trying to make a case for the Irish over Cincinnati when they're not head to head. If the only loss between the two is one beating the other, it would be the most senseless, ridiculous result ever if you put Notre Dame in over them. And by the way, as you say, like they're quality of match they almost lost to florida state for goodness sakes you know well again that's like that's what i, I they got better but that's the they were everybody in the year they were tough well some but no but cincinnati hasn't but it's like notre dame was bad early on in the year they've gotten better throughout this year they figured out their issues with the young offensive line they figured out the quarterback rotation and they dealt with their fair share of injuries too and like especially losing kyle hamilton is gonna be a top five pick in the draft whereas cincinnati is you know they were kind of impressive early on especially peaking with the notre dame when lately they're going to struggle they're going to struggle versus SMU too. And and Dan brought that up. Like they're going to have a tough time in this game. So my, my whole thing is that, I mean, Notre Cincinnati needs help. Talk about needing help. Notre Dame would need Ohio state to lose. They would need, uh, they would need like Michigan to beat Ohio state. And then like, uh, they would need a multiple big 10 losses. They would need an Alabama loss. They would need Oklahoma state loss. They would need a bunch of different losses. It, it, it's too, I'm not promoting Notre Dame to make it. Uh, and I think Cincinnati does deserve it, but I can understand why they shouldn't. And I think that, Oregon is going to win out and they'll stay in. I think that Georgia is going to win out. They'll stay in. I do think Alabama will get in. And I think that there will be a big 10 team that will, that will make it. Uh, but that's, it's unfortunate for Cincinnati. I think, you know, listen, if Michigan actually knocks off Ohio state, then, then they would finally have a record wor- uh, worthy in the Harbaugh era of at least making a case to, to get in there. If you beat Ohio state unblemished to this point in the, in the conference, I see what you're saying, but, um, yeah, it was a that was a fun conversation with someone who obviously knows what he's talking about. I do see. I I I wasn't. Re- I didn't know I was going to get such pushback on the olden days. But I will say, speaking of the olden days, have you ever seen UNLV of that era or the Fab Five play a game I, uh, live? No, but I know. No, I mean, have you ever teams. gone back yeah. and watched them? I yes, yeah, so I'm aware of those teams. In the I know NBA you're aware of them. So. I I college basketball is great to me in the sense that I think I should ask them that instead of my dumb question. Now that I think about it, I think that UNLV or the fab five of round about 1990 ish would defeat the best team in the country. Now, how say you, I guess you don't have, uh, you haven't watched them enough to, to really know, but the talent is greater 30 years ago than it is now. Well, by what I will say, well, I will and they're together was, longer. They play was, together for three, four years together. That was my point. Was that the players, the best players, don't stay that long anymore? You need like teams back in the old days would have players that would stay for four years. That's unheard of now, unless you're a guy who's not going to make the pros. So, I mean, I think in that in that regard, yeah, a, a team back in the, the older days would have more continuity and better chemistry. 
All right, listen, we've said it all, Spaghetti. It's time to hang it up for another sports week, although a special Thanksgiving edition of Extra Points slash Minus 3, at least. Are there other shows that also that we're doing a Thanksgiving show that you'll be able to hear next week around the holiday? Um, so we'll have a regular episode. Let me, You know what, Spaghetti? You're smarter than I am. We will have a nice episode recapping the weekend that was um, on Monday for you, as usual. And then later next week, we'll have a Thanksgiving special for you, right? Correct. Yes. We'll have a show with Hench on Monday and then we'll have a uh, it's like a all extra points network kind of talent together for a Thanksgiving special. Excellent. Excellent. Make sure you're listening to Spaghetti and Jen Piacenti and Waiver Wire, Lemon Pepper Parlay with TJ Hushmanzada and Marty Weiss. And of course, extra. Oh, Megan Fun of Sports with the two Megans. And of course, extra points with Marty Weiss and Cousin Sal and Against All Odds with Sal and the Degenerates there. Boy, that was uh, their episode uh, from, I think it was Wednesday, was pretty funny. Some conspiracy thing, uh, theories issued by the Parlay Kid at the, at the expense of Matthew Stafford made me laugh that he, that he was padding stats. Well, doesn't is I, that's why he didn't run it in because he was padding stats. He could have run in a touchdown. W- wouldn't that pad his stats if he ran in a touchdown? I don't know. I didn't understand his point on that one. But anyway, he lost. It was on the wrong side of a bet, so he had to um, target somebody with that. Anyway, listen to that. Listen to all of it. Play against us with us. Fanduel.com slash. Um, I'm sorry, extrapoints.com slash arcade is how you play in the Pick'em college football, pro football, and beyond. And enjoy the weekend. We'll be back on the other side of it to make sense of what you just saw for you and project into Thanksgiving week. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven.